Productions. Algar Productions. You are listening to the Post-Atomic Horror Podcast with Ron Algar Watt and Matt Robotham. Episode 242, covering Cathexis and Faces. Well, friends, last week we liked them both. It's not always going to happen. No, this time the, the exact opposite happened. We hated yeah. them both. Now, in fairness, would you say we're almost at the end? We got two more episodes left in season one. Mm. Would you say this season is as good as you expected, better, or worse? I would definitely go with better than I expected. There's I been would... stuff that I did not enjoy, but I expected to hate every episode. So I expected to hate all the characters. Mm-hmm. I expected to hate most of the episodes. Like, and there's a lot yeah. to like. Now, so. maybe this is Stockholm syndrome kicking in, but uh... I don't think that it is. I can I can be fairly objective about ah. this, and I feel like I'm actually enjoying this. And um, I I will also say this is something I said to Flunk, and he he clearly did not agree with me. Mm. I would even venture to say this is the strongest season one of any Star Trek. Well, I don't know about that. Um, uh, if you take on the whole, like the combined season one of every show. Mm-hmm. No, I'm I, in this. I'm mostly thinking of the original series, and that doesn't really count because it only had three se- seasons. Yeah. And TV worked a little differently back then, yeah, and also a season was like forty episodes or something. But on average, yeah, I'd say this is better than T. Definitely better than TNG. Probably better, than, better D- than, D- than DS9. Yeah. Now, I don't think it's going to be that way always. No. But purely based on where we are so far, like, it's substantially better. Yep. So good. I mean, better than we expected. Yeah, well, I mean, let's not go nuts here, but, uh, you know, Matt, let's go a little nuts. Let's go. Come on. You want to get nuts? Let's get nuts. Let's go get nuts. Best line from Batman 89? No. Not even close. Okay. Second best line from Batman 89? Listen, the automatic best line from Batman 89 is, do you, uh, you ever dance with the devil in the pale moonlight? Obviously. I mean, that inspired a DS9 episode. It's true. But then after that, I don't know. Anyway. How about all, uh, that t- all those times Batman kills those guys? Well, I mean, it's a very Batman thing to do. He loves murder. He sure does. Murder and blowing up buildings. Yeah. It's his hey. favorite thing to do. We're not talking about Star Trek again. Oh uh, yeah. Well, we're let's, talking about Batman. Let's let's not try to recapture the magic of uh of of the Deadly Games show starring Brian. Oh god. Let's instead talk about Star Trek. All right, us. fine. You want to tell me about Cat Hexus? <laughs> Is that what it's called? Yes, it's called Cat Hexus. Well, they they never said the name. They never said this word in the episode as far as I know. Uh-huh. I I wasn't really paying attention. Making up words again. That's that's Guess who wrote this one? Well, Mm -hmm. I'll get there. It's been nearly a week between my watching this episode and summarizing it, and Memory Alpha reminds me that it involved Chakotay being brain dead. Hello, low-hanging fruit! Also, this episode was co-written by Joe Masks Minoski and Brannon, too many terrible episodes to list here, Braga. I mean, in fairness, Minoski wrote Darmok, and Braga wrote Parallels, but you know what they say about broken clocks. They write episodes where Chakotay's spirit leaves his body because of self-aware nebulae. Our trouble begins as Mom's tawdry Victorian nanny adventures on the holodeck are interrupted by a telltale, Miss! Miss! 
Seems that Tuvok and Chakotay have returned from this week's mission to slow down our progress to the Alpha Quadrant, patent pending, and Chakotay is now brain dead, just lying in sickbay like a plank of wood, barely a presence, producing zero charisma. <coughs> anyway, it turns out that when the Emotionless One and Tuvok entered the Dark Matter Nebula they were exploring, they were attacked. Or something. It's all pretty vague, really, and also I already spoiled the ending for you. Chakotay actually possesses various members of the crew to convince them not to go back to the nebula. There's some okay paranoid finger-pointing on the in the interim, but nothing that remotely justifies all the bullshit. Also, Chakotay's medicine wheel features prominently into the story, because his bag wasn't enough, apparently. It's not just the medicine wheel, it's that as we zoom in, we actually play like, uh... Not what I not Native American music, but like No, but your standard spiritual flute music. Yeah. Like, oh, something something spiritual is happening. Yeah. I don't know another word for it. Like something organic is happening. Mm-hmm. It's <sighs> Yep. I mean this you know, I say it over and over again, but really this is quintessential Braga right here. Mm-hmm. It doesn't make a lick of sense. Nope. But he doesn't care because he gets to have a ghost fly around the ship. Oh, boy. Well, that was your bad thing, wasn't it? Yeah, I fucking... They decided to rip off Evil Dead for the uh, for Chakotay cruising around know. the ship. In, in fairness, I don't know that Evil Dead invented the POV of the evil spirit. They might not have... They might have invented it, actually. Maybe. I don't know. Like, you know you know your horror history better than I, but this it doesn't... This is true. It feels like an idea that would not have been invented for the first time in the early 80s. If they didn't invent it, they definitely popularized it. Yeah, that is that is definitely true. But, um... No, that fucking just, like, the camera flying around like it's, uh... Not only is it a ghost, but it's also foggy because, you know, it's a nearsighted ghost, apparently. Well, it's it's foggy. It's it's like it's like a fisheye, and the, the sort of periphery is out of focus. Mm-hmm. And uh, this is another staple of Braga. Like, I feel like his scripts have a lot of that. Mm-hmm. POV of the spirit, fisheye lens, yeah. uh, fogginess, you know, just like, and the director's like, oh, this again. No, but I'm watching this, like, the camera fly around and then fly into the back of, like, uh, Paris's neck, and I just keep waiting for his eyes to go white and for him to start screaming at people. Yeah. No, no such luck. Maybe de- maybe a, a weird stop-motion version of him can dance nakedly outside. Maybe have a tree violate him, show him what it's like. Ugh. Yeah, you know, just just to give him what, what he's got mm-hmm. coming to him. Anyway. I like Evil Dead a lot, but I could I could do without that scene. Well, all right, fair enough. Um, but yeah, it's it's just typical like think of the effect first and then backfill the cause, and the cause doesn't make any sense. Yep. And and part of it is I'm sure that spooky effect is part of the thing he wanted to show. Mm-hmm. And he thinks it's spooky. We think, ugh, we've seen this done so much better in other places. That's the thing. Even if Evil Dead didn't invent it. Evil Dead did it better, so yep. stop it. <laughs> Braga, stop it. why don't you go write for Supernatural or something? I honestly, it, like... that looks, I, It looks like a home for the crap you want you want to do, and also, I don't watch Supernatural. I I have never actually watched Supernatural, like, sit down and sat down and watched an episode, but when I go to the gym in the early morning, it's on TBS or one of those, like, like standard cable mm-hmm. channels, and it's on one of the TVs, so it's on at 6 in the morning, and I've seen it with subtitles, and it looks all right. Yeah. It doesn't look like a bad show, but I've never actually paid full attention to it. But it looks it looks like someone wanted to keep making the show Angel, and so they just did that. Yeah. And it might not be as snappy as Whedon-y stuff, but it feels it has that same sort of doesn't take itself entirely seriously feel. Mm-hmm. But in any case, no, this is 1995. He should be taking these pitches over to the X-Files, where Chris Carter should promptly be dropping them in the trash because they're terrible. Yep. 
or, you know, making them into later season movies. Fair enough. <laughs> They're also but the, terrible. But The X-Files at this point was firing on all cylinders. Yeah, yeah. And while it's not my favorite show, I will give you that it was at its best in the mid-90s. Yeah. And, you know, and this is the kind of thing, like, he keeps trying to put this in this science fiction show, and it just doesn't belong No, here. like, <clears throat> Star Trek said, has, you know, not facts because that's not right but no, there's a lot of there's a lot of fudging things but there's internal logic yeah there's a way there's a way to make those you know there's a way to, to make that stuff work and he's just not interested in it no he uh, wants to make a, the spooky thing an evil then... nebula and uh combined with some dark matter and uh... yeah, dark matter if i understand correctly and there are people who know science way better than i mm-hmm. but uh, if i understand correctly dark matter is a fudge thing that they came up not literally fudge it's not... uh, are you saying space isn't made of fudge i don't know that it is <laughs> found water but... on mars and also fudge <laughs> my understanding is that dark matter is a placeholder it's we can't account for most of the matter in the universe, so we're just going to say it's dark matter, but we don't actually know. You might as well say ether. Yeah. Like, I, as far as I know, it's not a physical thing that you can measure that's made of particles. It's no. just, no, they it's don't know ser- what it is. No, it's a series of tubes. <laughs> but, 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 series of tubes. <laughs> but it's, I, I mean, that's the kind of thing, oh, science doesn't know what this is. I'll just use it in my techno babble. Yep. Oh, God damn it, Brannon. Oh, it's called dark matter, so it's cool. Yeah, and it's creepy. But literally everything in space to him is alive, too. Yep. Because, like, the nebula being sentient, yeah, that makes sense. This is like the 18th sentient nebula we've passed through, no. and there have been, like, 18 episodes. No, it's been, like, 12 episodes, but, like... It's not always, in fairness, it's not always nebula. Sometimes it's, like... No, sometimes um, it's nebulae. Well, nebulae is just nebulas. That's just the plural form. There's three nebulas back to back. No, the human centipede a... of nebulas. Oh God! There's an image. The human cathexipede. Ah. Uh. Yeah. Um. My bad thing. Yes. So the evil plan for these evil aliens who possessed the ghost some. I don't know. Ah. They want to harvest our our uh, neural energy. Yes, as opposed okay. to our organs. Right. No, no, this, the, we'll talk about that in a minute. You're completely different. Yeah. No, no, they want the electricity in our brain, mm-hmm. which was similar to what the the uh, the computers wanted in the Matrix. Oh, yeah, yeah. Now, I've seen it pointed out, and this is another thing. If if I got the science wrong, then, then I stand corrected. But I'm pretty sure our brains, like the electricity in our brains at any given moment is negligible. Mm-hmm. It's like it could light up a light bulb. Yeah. It's not worth all the trouble it takes to get this ship full of what a hundred people i don't know how many people are on voyager that's that feels like a thing we should know yeah no janeway has never said how many people she's responsible for (laughs) it's obviously not as big as the enterprise d which was about a thousand people yeah it's bigger than the original enterprise i don't know i'm gonna guess 500 but even Mm -hmm. even also not going off on a very like on a mission that would need a lot of people like new ship it's probably not a big crew Plus, when anyone dies, that's it. There's no replacement for them. They're dead. Mm -hmm. But even still, let's say 500 people at the at the most. There's no way the the brain energy of 500 people is worth all that effort. It's like okay, I got a pile of nine volt batteries here. Yeah, it's just not worth. Well, (laughs) all our problems are solved forever. Really? So how do you feed normally? Do you just wait for ships to come by? Like. That doesn't seem like a very good ecosystem there. It's, they eat you know. Kazon, which is fine by me, quite frankly. <laughs> yeah, but they got to spit out the hair. Ugh. 
I it's like I can't digest this. It's like deboning a fish. It takes forever. <laughs> and woe be to him who bites down on one by mistake. Oh, God. My fucking tooth. Oh. <laughs> terrible. Just terrible. Um, What about a good thing? Did you manage to find one of them? I mean, I must have. I like the I like the paranoia on the ship. I always like uh, when a show decides to have everyone turn on each other. You know? Oh, yeah. Makes me want to actually... watch the thing. This actually has, like, there's some good strength in these characters and the actors because some of that is very effective. Mm-hmm. Uh, I think it would have played better if they had done the, like, this would have been a good place to bring up the uh, the Maquis versus Starfleet stuff again. Oh, yeah. You know, if they weren't completely uninterested in addressing that. Well, I mean, there's that. But also the central conflict, like, there's a bit of accusing Tom Paris. There's a bit of accusing uh, uh, Balana, mm-hmm. But most of it is between uh, Tuvok and Janeway. Yeah. Who implicitly trust each other. And actually, that's a good choice dramatically. Mm-hmm. Because we do know that those two implicitly trust each other, and their relationship has been there before we started. So, well, and the other nice thing there is that you've got Tuvok, who's supposed to be the Vulcan, you know, right? The guy who can't lie, even Excuse though he's me, always Mr. lying, Mister Vulcan. Yes. No, and there's actually I re- like in particular I want to say that that again Tim Russ really impressive to me, mm-hmm. and I every time I read about stuff I like about Tuvok, about half the time it's from his suggestions. Oh, nice. He is so invested in Star Trek in general and his character in specific. And a lot of what I like about Tuvok comes from him saying, yeah, but would it be better if my guy did this? And mm-hmm. then they say, yeah, yeah, it would, would be better. Nice. He's not one of those like tedious actors who's like, what's my motivation? He's he just he's really thinking about it mm-hmm. and wants to make it good. And I, I respect that. Yeah. And I haven't liked the look of a lot of the fan films that he's been involved with, but it's telling that he's doing that because he's obviously got a love for Trek. Yeah. Which is good. That's that's a that's a good thing. We need people like that yeah. in Star Trek. Um, but anyway, he's he's got a lot of moments where he's been temporarily possessed, and there's clearly evidence that he may have been. And rather than him saying like I've seen a lot of people write Vulcans, where it's like, no, I am infallible. It's it is yeah. impossible that I did it. He's like, you know what? As the security guy and the logical thinker here, maybe I did do that. It's I have almost, no memory of it. Yeah, but we can't yep. rule that out. And I like that. I like that a lot because. That adds a new layer to the paranoia. Usually everyone's denying it. Mm-hmm. And on top of the paranoia, you have people saying, well, shit, maybe I did do that. We, um, when stuff starts going wrong, the first thing that happens is that the, the ship change, changes directions and everyone go, looks at Tom Paris. And he's like, what? I didn't do it. <laughs> and there's a great, like, teacher calls on the pet moment where then she looks over at Harold Kim and says, Harry, did he do it? And Harold's just like, uh, uh, best okay. friend, teacher, what do I do? I started thinking of him as uh, the frog, the, the, the child frog from uh, BoJack. Oh, yeah, 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 yeah. Oh, my hand's all sticky. <laughs> He's just scared of everything. <laughs> what? Telephone. Har- Harry, what do you think happened? <laughs> no, and I also, every time, um, every time. Someone accused Paris of doing something. I kept expecting that little ghost from uh, the family circus to run away. <laughs> Just see one of the automatic doors sliding open real quick and yep. like a little transparent foot like disappearing off screen. Hey, who made the ship go in the wrong direction? Not me. Not me. I don't know. <laughs> and then we see the uh, the dotted path that Harry follows as he goes down to engineering. <laughs> 
Harry, did you stop to climb over a fence on the, on the way to engineering? How did, How is there a fence? It's just a fence. Yeah. Just you know what? Fuck it. That wouldn't be even close to the weirdest fucking thing we've seen on Voyager so far. That's true. In fact, you know what? A fence in the middle of the ship. That's right in line. Maybe you have a yeah. banjo leaning against it. Oh, gotta bring those banjos back. Banjo. That's a that's a theme at this point. Mm-hmm. That's a motif. It just keeps recurring. Yep. It's not a symbol because it doesn't mean anything. But it's something. It's just a banjo. But yeah, the, the, there's there's some great moments between Tuvok and Janeway where, again, these two trust each other. Yep. Even though he betrayed her recently, he, she still more or less trusts him. Yeah. And she's also reasonable enough to say, well, shit, maybe it was me. And he's like, well, shit, maybe it was me. Well, I don't trust you, but I also don't trust me. And it's like we've seen this paranoia thing like play out in different stories before, but mm-hmm. this is a different take on that because we got two reasonable people who aren't ruling themselves out. Yeah. And, I, I like that a lot. And she's just trying to figure out what the fuck's going on. Mm-hmm. I love her. At one point, she's like, would someone please tell me what the hell is going on? At, at first, she's very much the teacher. Like, okay, who did that? And then eventually, she's just exasperated. She's like, oh. <laughs> what now? Also, I got to say, like, this is totally superficial, but I really like her hair in this episode. Yeah, her hair her hair is looking much better. I did not. I was not a fan of her uh, her big poof hair. Well, the bun, unfortunately, is going to be the standard. Apparently, this is Kate Mulgrew's normal, like, day-to-day hairstyle, and they oh. said, yeah, let's use that. And then they said, no, never mind. No, we don't like it. Why Why not? I look I, great. Like, honestly, I always sort of put her in sort of mom, teacher, kind of, like, authority figure, yeah. like, category before, and now it's like, hey, she's kind of pretty. Mm. Like, I didn't really see her that way before, but this hair totally, like, sort of unlocks that. Yeah, unfortunately, the gothic romance novel doesn't really help with that. <laughs> In fairness, mm-hmm. is that not in character, really? No, it's true. What, okay, if someone said to you at this point in the series, like 10 episodes in, okay, Janeway's going to do a hollow novel, what is she going to do? And yeah. You probably say, uh, I probably like Jane Austen or something like that. Yeah, It's my bodice ripper. Yeah, it's, you know, that feels about right. <laughs> she was sort of into that that creepy Fabio dude who was macking on her. Yeah. So, uh, you know, she wants something like that. Why have you come here to Dungeon Higher Heights? I am the new governess here to seduce the Duke. <laughs> yeah, and teach him teach him how to love his children at the same time. Uh-huh. The funny thing is they wanted to do a um a western thing, mm-hmm. like a pioneer covered wagon, she's out on the frontier thing. Which actually like on the one hand, I like the symbolism there, on the other hand it's a bit on the nose. Yeah, that's been done before. But uh, apparently Kate Mulgrew is like horses. No, absolutely not. I will. <laughs> you will not get my ass up on a horse. And I respect her for that. She's the anti Shatner. <laughs> yeah. I will only do this movie if you put my and other horses in it. Look, haven't we done horses and captains enough? Really? Yeah. I mean, Pike had a horse in the cage. Mm-hmm. And Shatner is all about horses now. And Picard is a rider and has his own saddle. Like, yep. Enough already with the horses, please. Cisco <laughs> is. Terrified of horses, so yeah, Cisco. I'm not really sure. It never had, came up, but I'm not he had if on, wishes were horses. That's enough. I'm not getting on one of those fucking things. I kind of, I built a car. Yeah, <laughs> built it from scratch. Yeah, downloaded the schematics, made it out of wood. <laughs> yeah, me and Jake are gonna go tooling around the promenade. <laughs> Jake's like, what? <laughs> no, we're not. I'm not getting that. <laughs> Actually, crap. excuse me. Jake's like, <laughs> <laughs> oh yeah, it's only <laughs> two o'clock. <laughs> But really, like I like, 
she said, I am scared to get on a horse. They're scary things and mm-hmm. I'm not going to do it. And like, yeah, that's yeah. totally fair. I don't like, blame a lot, her. A lot of actors do it and I give them credit for it, but they're fucking scary animals, man. Yeah. So this was their, this was their fallback. Yep. And it fits. Ugh. Excuse me. A horse will kick your ass, man. Yep. Um, my good thing. Mm. There's, there's been, it's not really an arc exactly. I call it an arc because there's been a little progress each episode or each, every couple episodes, but there, there's this nice character development where Janeway at first did not see the doctor. Like she saw him as a screensaver. Oh, yeah. well go send that sick guy down to the flying toasters on deck five. <laughs> and eventually like Kess, she had that great scene we talked about a few weeks ago with Kess where she's like, why don't you think of the doctor as human? Because I don't know why. That's an excellent question, Kess. And it was a good moment where you show like the scientist considering possibilities and not just making a, you know, a, a, a rash conclusion. And yeah. I like that. But then he had his first quote unquote away mission a couple weeks ago with the, the Grendel thing. Yep. Which I, I, it's a bit of a stretch to call it an away mission, but it was a thing that only a hologram could do. So, mm-hmm. you know, that was cool. And now. In this episode, she's like, we can't trust anyone. The only one we know for sure this alien can't possess is the doctor. On a normal ship, the chief surgeon has ultimate override of, of you know, people's mental uh, capabilities. I'm, I trust the doctor enough to give him that. Yeah. And that's like another step in that. Like, like now, not only does he have a rank, not only does he have like, does he get sent on missions, but she's trusting him with the, the ship. Mm-hmm. She's saying, if we are too crazy to, to you know, to, to lead here, you're going to have to say you're relieved of duty. And that's cool. Yeah. I like that. I like that they keep tossing the doctor in at the deep end, you know, like. Yeah. Like they keep, uh, well, you're not really supposed to do this, but we don't really have a choice. So that's the best way to develop a character like yeah. that is you keep testing him. You yep. keep like and it, and as goofy as this episode was, it was a like from his perspective, a natural situation that came up it didn't feel forced yep it just felt like one more step on his road to being a little more human yep. which is very star trek every day yeah i like that i i like you know i mean i like the doctor in general but this is more about the captain's relationship with the with him yeah and i like that mm-hmm. um good work doctor so let's talk about chakotay's medicine wheel yeah <sighs> i God, I wish this wasn't the only thing about him. Give him any, give give Chakotay literally anything. Make him into uh, geology, or you know, he really likes picnics, or like. Well, yeah, they've given. They've, he they has give a those, puppy. I don't know, and literally anything. Give him give anything those, other than just his religion. They give those litter like little idiosyncrasies to to characters, like you know, uh, Riker was into cooking a bit uh-huh. and actually so was Cisco but Cisco had a bunch of other stuff too and like uh, Bashir and O'Brien had their little holodeck things mm. and the, you know it's like the, there's definitely precedent for that yeah but with him that's it that's all there is and we open the episode with uh, uh, um, god I wanted to call her Kalar Belana. yeah <laughs> I wish she was Kalar Bell she wishes she was Kalar um, I, I, like there's a medicine wheel, which is part of his culture. Again, mm. ill-defined. They don't even say a tribe. He's just a Native American. Yeah, there's, he's there's like, only one. He's all Native American. Yeah, you know, not not Iroquois or, or Cherokee or mm-hmm. Mohawk or like a million others that I I can't even think of because I don't know all of yep. them. Like there's, there's hundreds. Mm-hmm. Just whatever. He's just all of them. Whatever. 
And uh, there's this dumb medicine wheel, like, fine, whatever. It's not that I have a problem with that exactly. It's just his religion and it clearly doesn't do anything. And, you know, but I like the doctor's like, what are you doing? And she explains it. He's like, oh, no, I know, like, all medical traditions. I just mean, what are you doing? You're doing it wrong. Yeah. Shouldn't that stone be aligned here? And this, and she, that's pretty cool. Yeah. No, I like, I like at least the doctor knowing about it. Like he's taken an interest in. No, they played that perfectly yeah. because at first you think he's just going to roll his eyes at it, but then he waits a beat and then he says, no, no, no. I know what it is. I, I like that. Like I've studied, you know, all met, like all medical traditions ever. Yeah. First of all, I was programmed with most of them. Mm-hmm. Second of all, you leave me on all the time, and I can read a book in one second. So I gotta I read do all something. Books. It's this or fucking more chess with the ship's computer, and I am the ship's computer. Look, I hang out with Kess from time to time, but she's got to sleep. Yeah. Unfortunately, I don't know how she does with Neelix breathing on her all night. <laughs> you think he's got the sleep apnea? <laughs> 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 Cats, where are are you? God, I just got up to go to the bathroom. Uh, uh, Well, I'll come with you. I dreamt that you were gone, that you weren't with me, that you weren't (laughs) by my side. That feels right. Yeah. I had to pee. (laughs) Sometimes I'm not going to be here. Sometimes you're going to be cooking your stupid food and I'm going to be down in sickbay. We have jobs. (laughs) You were with that Tom Paris again, weren't you? No. I mean, it broke his arm. But... Shut up, Neelix. Yeah. He's not even that bad yet. You but fucking creep. I see glimmers of it. Uh-huh. I see glimmers of the way Odo was with Kira. Yeah. So, we'll see. Um, But yeah, the medicine wheel thing is kind of stupid. I do like that Balana respects his his stuff because they are old friends. Well, and she he's taught her all this stuff, too. Yeah. Like, but you I, know. I feel like she wouldn't believe in it. I feel like she would do it because that's what he wants. Yeah. But they may, they implied, they didn't say one way or the other, but they implied that she believes in it, and that's that's a little much. She's an engineer. Mm. She should believe in, like, tangible, practical things and not, like, spiritual crap. Yeah. Whatever. I just, like, that. it's not in, like, what I've seen of her character. She doesn't seem spiritual at all. No. But they seem to want to make her sort of, like, she's definitely Janeway's protege since she got on the ship. Yeah. I believe, I, it feels like before that she was Chakotay's. Uh-huh. Like she, she, he was, he kind of took her under his wing. She was this like troubled, uh, you know, Starfleet dropout who's yeah. got a lot of potential but needs some direction. And he like, you know, and she kind of glommed onto the stuff that he's into. And unfortunately, mm. he's only into one thing. Yeah, that's kind of the impression that yeah. I get. But in in any case, like, there's a there's a quote from her from uh, Roxanne uh, Higgs Boson, as you call her, <laughs> Biggs Dawson, who's who said. Um, I liked it okay, but uh, initially the I what I wanted to do was have her paint it on the walls of, of sickbay mm-hmm. and have the doctor come in and yell at her for defacing it, but she wouldn't <laughs> give a fuck. <laughs> I kind of like that. That's better. I like that. That gives it a little more edge, at least. It makes it a little more Bellana specific. Yeah. Because, like, still. she wouldn't give a fuck, you know? No. Look, I'm helping my friend. You go away. What are you doing? What does it look like? I'm painting on the wall. Yeah. Don't do that. Why not? There's no rule that says you can't do this. <laughs> now, if you'll excuse me, I'm going to go play football with this Cocker Spaniel. <laughs> oh, sorry. This goose who is the sheriff says we can't do that. <laughs> uh, oh, Sheriff Goose. What else? 
Uh, looking at my notes. Oh, apparently, <laughs> weird cameo by Doc Brown. Oh, yeah, we both had that. <laughs> like, uh, oh, it's, it's Tom Paris talking about, oh, yeah, back in the day, old Doc Brown, blah, blah, blah. Shut up. Yeah. Just shut up. No, listen, there's a very well-known Doc Brown, okay? Look. Back to the Future was not a secret by the time uh, Voyager came out. It was a beloved no. film. Yeah, I, I assume so. Mm-hmm. I assume you could go play it as a hollow novel. Yeah. It, I don't see why not. Although you're playing George Gipe's uh, novelization of it. Oh, no. <laughs> well, it's not a hollow movie, Matt. It's a hollow novel. That's true. I would really, if that's the case, then I would really like a holographic version of Ryan North to... Uh, to provide commentary. To provide for commentary it. for the entire thing. Yeah, that would be great. What do you think, Ryan? Well, this is dumb. This is some more old man speak. <laughs> There's a lot of that. Jumping Jehoshaphat, Marty. <laughs> what? Um. Anything else? Um. Oh, something I've noticed for a while, and it just kind of really came to my attention here. Mm. There's some moments that Janeway has where they're sort of not entirely smug, because smug implies I don't like it, mm-hmm. but sort of self-confident and sarcastic. Yeah. Sort of like, oh, really? Is that what's happening? Mm-hmm. That kind of thing. And it's very Shatner. Yeah. Very, it ha- very it, Shatner. It happened in, uh, this is my quote a couple of weeks back, when uh, Paris is trying to figure out what the fuck is going on. And he's like, am I making sense? And she goes, no, but that's okay. Yeah, that's actually very much in, in line with what I'm talking about. And uh, it happens again here with, oh, fuck, what's the line? I don't remember the line, but she's. It, oh, uh, I don't I don't think you're going to mutiny, Mr. Paris. Right. Yeah. But it's, it's very much in line with, like, stuff, mostly movie era Kirk, I would say. Uh-huh. But still sort of charming. Yeah. Like, not bad actor Shatner, like, kind of charming, like, hey, how you doing? Like, and I, I like it. Mm-hmm. It's weird, and I feel like, I don't know, Mulgrew is at about the right age where she might have grown up on original Trek, and maybe that's deliberate. I could see that. Just... I haven't heard anything about, about that. But, no, uh... I, I I mean, the thing is, everyone knew about Star Trek. Maybe not mm-hmm. everyone was into it, but everyone knew about well, it. I mean, that's not a hard thing to find out either, because the first question that ever gets asked at any Star Trek con with when new people show up is, did you like Star Trek? Yeah. And if you're somebody like... Um... Uh, what's her name? Jolene Blaylock from Enterprise. She says, no. No. Even when I was on it, I didn't like no. it. No. Jerk. Well, she was on Enterprise, so. Uh, you know what? I cast, I, I threw a lot of stones at Voyager before I watched it. I'm not making that mistake again. I'm I'm here by, like, cutting off all, uh, all preconceptions of Enterprise until we get there. All right. For me. You can do what you like. But... Uh, and as we've seen, I probably will. <laughs> Fair enough. Fuck Enterprise. I, I will say, uh, I've been following, uh, there's an official Star Trek Tumblr now. Mm-hmm. Um, and they post some pretty good stuff every now and then. And uh, It'll never be a- as good as they boldly went. No, 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 no. Definitely not. But they, they still post some pretty good stuff. Uh, I will say they post a broader selection of stuff. That guy only likes the original series, which is fine. Yeah. But they post from all the series, which now that we're into Voyager, I get four-fifths of the references. Yeah. I'm down to one that I don't get. But um, he uh, uh, or they posted a picture of Captain Archer standing expressionless in his boring uniform <laughs> in front of a boring wall, like full of holes. And it's just like, this is the blandest thing since Chicote. Holes that were bored there. <laughs> it's just like I, I, I'll put this on our Tumblr just so you can see it. All right. Uh, uh, Post it on But it's. 
it's just like this is my memory of this show is that what we're getting into hi i'm captain jonathan archer sounds like old harrison ford really yeah kind of sounds more like this for me chewy i I don't want to be in star wars anymore chewy we're home (laughs) now see now that's chakotay (laughs) my medicine wheel yes hi I'm Ben Stein. I'm I'm first officer of the USS Voyager. Can you win my money? Also, I'm a crazy creationist. Paris. Paris. Um, okay, so my quote, Mm. uh, I gotta admit, I watched this episode a week ago, and I don't remember what this is, so here you go. Yep. I could examine every crew member you've mentioned so far, every person on board, for that matter, and it wouldn't do any good. From what we can tell, the alien can jump from person to person at will. Sounds to me like you're defending Ensign Parsons. I'm not defending him. I'm just pointing out that you're acting a little paranoid. In fact, one could say you're acting a little too paranoid. Something about paranoia, but that I, I don't remember. Mm. But it's probably funny. I don't know. Anyway, Matt. Yeah. Uh, our old pal Scott Zioko, whose favorite episode, by the way, is <laughs> Time and Again, warned us for weeks. You guys are gonna love faces. You get faces, boy. Boy, faces is coming up. And uh, well, he was right about this one. Mm-hmm. Mostly, I just want to keep mentioning uh, time and again. Uh. I, think, I I didn't even hate that. Like it was not great. Mm-hmm. But I kind of want that to be the new uh, past tense. Just just for Scott's sake. <laughs> No, no, I I mentioned this because we have a few uh, friends and listeners and friends of the show Mm -hmm. who have been uh, watching and for whatever reason watching ahead. I don't get that at all. Our friend Beeve is like, (laughs) why would you watch more Voyager when you didn't have to? I I, I just, I I don't know. I'm not even hating it that much. No, I'm fine watching two at a time. But um, I mean, no, our friend Beeve in particular mentioned something from like late season four the other day. Like he's way ahead. Yeah. Wow. And he's he started with us like like two months ago. Yeah. And now no. he's in season four. That that ain't me. No. But uh, I mean, I don't even I, know that I could. Cheers. Really? Yeah. How's that working out for you? That's pretty good. It's a pretty good show. Yeah. I don't know if it's aged well, but Shelley Long is fucking hot. Yeah. I did not remember that. Really? Yeah. Did you, were you thinking of Shelley Duvall? Is that why? Mm, I might have been. Yeah. I try not to think of Shelley Duvall, but. Uh, <laughs> but that's an easy mistake to make. Sometimes, sometimes she rears early, up in the night. Early 80s, like prominent, like thin. Prominent Shelleys. Yeah. Named Shelley. Like there's a lot of similarities there. Um, One of them attractive. One of them really not. One of no. them very well suited to play olive oil. Mm-hmm. And nothing case, else. Um. How did, how did we get there? <laughs> That's a really remember. good question. Anyway, uh, noted time and again enthusiast Scott Zioko mm-hmm. mentioned that we would hate faces. And l- let's hear what you thought of it. All right. Well, so while, well, let's get right down to it. While fucking around while they ought to be trying to get home, or at least provide Tuvok with the delicious soup that he needs to Vulcan better, <laughs> Paris, Torres, and Lieutenant Durst are captured by the, those lung-stealing grossos from a few episodes back. <laughs> huh. I did not expect to see those guys again. Now I regret stealing their Walkman. <sighs> anyway, head doc- head Grosso is some Dr. Frankenstein motherfucker who decides that the best cure for their disease is to split Bell into two people, and not in the tradition of great murderers and magicians. 
Now he's going to turn her into a Klingon and a human, because that is how biology works as far as Brandon Braga is concerned. While Bell is kept chained to Dr. Frankenstein's table so he can work on getting her to do the beast with two monster mashes, <laughs> Anna is sent to prison with Paris and Durst to slave in the rock mine. I guess they're trying to cure their disease with rocks, too. I do not hold out much hope for the proud but revolting people of Grosselon 1. Back in the romance lab, Frankenstein takes another stab at seducing Belle by cutting off Durst's face and then gluing it to his own head. Well, she is all human or all Klingon now. This might actually work. But no, Belle escapes and hooks up with Anna, who she lifts effortlessly into the air and slings over her shoulder like so much caveman. Eventually, Belle and Anna must learn to use their diverse set of skills to save Paris and escape. In the process, Belle is killed by bullets with the faces of other smaller bullets glued on. <laughs> so when they get back to Voyager, the Doctor has no choice but to just shove a bunch of Klingon bits into the human Anna. Which seems like a terrible idea to me, but so did this entire episode, frankly. Ah, so that answers that question. Uh-huh. Okay, uh, two things. Uh-huh. Stealing their Walkman, is that a reference? Feels like a reference. I don't think so. All right. There's just reasons I would not want to see people people again. Well, no, I stole fair. their Walkman. It, just, it sounds like a quote from somebody. I stole their Walkman or their or, or their preacher trade paperbacks. <laughs> or their, or Mike's keyboard. <laughs> Stop her. Uh, the other thing is Brandon Braga had nothing to do with this episode. So in fairness. Seriously? Our, our, well, I mean, he didn't write the script. Wow. So, I mean, this is two in a row. They usually divvy them up so that he's like every fifth or sixth. Oh. Wow, I'm completely, I'm shocked. I mean, it, it in a way, it feels like one of his, but in right? a way. Right, because it's like weird, almost horror-y. It was, apparently it was, um, it was originally pitched as just uh, uh, Aliens of the Week who uh, had a thing for, um, had a thing for purity. Ah. Sort of like the Nazis, like, mm. like racial purity. And they were trying to get all of the human out of Bellana to make her pure Klingon, and that was it. And then they're like, wait a minute, we had these aliens who did something similar but different enough mm-hmm. that we could bring them back and make it this instead. Um, so, no, and I just looked and no, it's, it was like an outside pitch. It wasn't like any of the staff guys. Huh. Well, I'd like to apologize to Brandon Braga. Just for but that. I'm, but I'm not going to. <laughs> That's fair. No, of the long, li- like, I want to make sure that our long list of grievances is an accurate list. Yeah, it's fair. Because the way people disarm you is to pick one inaccuracy on a list and then say the entire list is invalid. Mm. So we can't we can't give them that. That's fair. Yeah. But yeah, it is still terrible. It is it is so taking what is already not a subtle thing. We called this out in the pilot mm-hmm. where she talked about her Klingon half. You, you I'm sorry. My bit. Klingon half makes me angry sometimes. It was already too literal there. Yeah. And they made it even more literal. <laughs> so what's more literal than that? Well, let's make them into two people who can fight each other. Uh, okay, and in fairness, the original series did that, but it was cheesy then, and it was 1967, and we were willing to kind of say, "Well, it's 1967." Yeah. No, th- that just ma- that just means there's a precedent for it. It means they can do it over and over again. If yeah, they but want. it's 30 years later now. They should know better. I know that, and you know that, but it's like now, nah, let's make her two people. I I I was sure, like I knew this episode was coming, mm-hmm. but I was sure it was going to happen with the transporter. So that's something. Yes. Yeah. No, we'll save that for Tuvix. Oh Lord. Yeah, but that's that's the opposite. That's the enemy without. Mm-hmm. <laughs> that's that's the whole other thing. I like that. We're, we'll get there. I don't. That was terrible. I'm ashamed of myself. I mean, I'm always ashamed of myself, but this is the latest. And now I have a reason. Yeah. No, this is the latest reason. <laughs> but yeah, it's so completely unsubtle. It's yeah. so just like 
straight up like it is what like she fights with herself. Yep. Like there's no actual wrestling, which you were disappointed by. Yeah, <laughs> I like the chick that plays Bolana, but I don't like her that much. No, no, no. I don't mean that. I don't mean in a in a. Oh, I way. see. Yeah, no. I'd like to see them just fucking beat each other up. You you said you just were really surprised that they weren't just like literally wrestling. Yeah, possibly while Chakotay held up a sign that said, "Do you get it?" <laughs> S- subtlety is happening. Right. It's not great, but okay. There's certain things I do like. I will say these guys, the 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 Vidians. I think that's what they're called. Yeah. 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 The, the uh, gross aliens. Best villains so far. Not that there's been like there's only been two or three. No, but as soon uh, this episode makes them reoccurring villains. Yeah. And even the main uh, Doctor Frankenstein guy, like he lives through the end of this episode. We could see him again. I don't think we do. Hopefully, I'm, with I'm that not sure. Fucking but I, face taped to his fucking. God damn. We'll, we'll get there. We'll get there. I just I want to say uh, overall, I like the design of them. Yep. And so far, I've hated all the aliens in the Delta Quadrant so far. I like the Neelix guys okay and these guys and that's Yeah, it. they're not bad. There was another Neelix guy in this episode and he wasn't too bad. They just leave him. He helps them <laughs> yeah, they do. They, they, he helps them escape. Yep. And they just leave him. Like, there's a bunch of presumably other people in other cells that they don't even see who they should also rescue. Mm-hmm. But especially the guy who directly helped them escape. Yeah. Let's be clear here. They don't shut this place down or anything. No. It's not like, like okay, it's not like Kirk where they've ruined the society and riding off into the sunset. They just get their guys out and leave. Yeah. And this guy helped. Like, he didn't even get a name, I don't think. Nope. I'm, I'm pretty sure he's just, like, unnamed Talaxian. Ma- Mal called him Neelix's cousin Felix. <laughs> No, he's got to be Oscar. Then we could have Neelix and Oscar. <laughs> well, you know, well, no matter where they go, they're known as the couple. <laughs> <laughs> but it's just, it's sad because he's he gets probably more screen time than anybody but Milana. Yep. And he doesn't even get a name. Nope. And he just gets left in prison. It's terrible. <laughs> get left in prison to be chopped up. Yeah. Um. But uh, anyway, I think these guys are like among the best, like, uh, well-designed, like, I, I think most of the alien design so far has been lazy or terrible, yeah. but this is quite creepy looking. Mm-hmm. And I I understand their motives. The first time we saw them, they were a little sympathetic. Now yeah. they're just nuts, but, like, that's escalating. No, that's, that's another thing I like, is that the, the, the guys we get in this episode are very different from the guys we got before. Like, those guys regretted that they had to take, that they had to live off yeah. other people to survive. These guys do not give a shit but they, not, they, not everyone in that culture is going to feel that way, so it's good that we get a different, you know. Yeah, that makes me happy. It's like uh, we talked about this before. They call it on uh, TV Tropes, uh, Planet of the Hats, where every every person from this planet is the same. Yeah, well, it's like Worf is all Klingons. And yeah, exactly. the more we saw more Klingons who were different, the more we liked it. Yeah. Like, oh, Martok is completely different from Galron, who is completely different mm-hmm. from the Duras sisters, who you know, and that just made the culture feel more full. Yeah. So, and, no, I, I like having these these guys like these new guys i like this and they still have that motive they mm-hmm. still have that we're trying to save our people so they're not just straight up evil yep like they're they're actually trying to survive which is a very relatable goal mm-hmm. but <laughs> like this guy they straight up said we wanted to do something like dr mangala we wanted to just make horrible you know yep. a horrible like atrocity guy yep and this is both of our good things different aspects of him Mm-hmm. Uh, go ahead with yours first. I fucking love this guy. I love, like, from the second he shows up, I got this great mad scientist vibe from him. Yeah. And I, like, I love that. 
I, I thought he was Vincent Schiavelli, who, if you don't know who that is, just Google it because you know who that is. Yes. I showed Matt. And Al sent picture... me a picture that's been leering at me since. <laughs> yeah, the preview picture pops up in the Skype window, and it's still there. Look uh-huh. at us both. Hello, Matt. Hello, I'm, Matt. I'm I'm Vincent Giavelli. But and the thing is, like, this guy had that kind of feel, that kind of creepy guy in every movie feel. Mm-hmm. But uh, did, did you have anything else before I? I I just like that. It just there's a moment in this episode with this guy, right? Mm-hmm. Where we're right at the end of the episode. Um, two versions of the same woman, one of whom is human and one of whom is Klingon. Two guys who are like horrible monsters, one of whom is disgu- only disguised as a horrible monster, are waving guns at each other. And I just thought to myself, I wish every episode of, of Voyager was this insane. I wish, like, this is a good start, but I wish it was more than that even. Yeah. This is, like, I've said this about Doctor Who. Like, I like Doctor Who when it's nuts like that. Yeah. Like, I've said many times, my favorite episode of Doctor Who, uh, new Doctor Who, is Dinosaurs on a Spaceship. Yep. The the nuttier and pulpier you get, the better. Yeah, I love that. Yeah. If, like, like, if that's the direction Voyager wants to take, I yeah. am all for it. Look, we got our serious-ish sci-fi show with Next Gen. We got our serious-ish sci-fi political show with DS9. This could just be your nutso, like, pulpy show, yeah. like, pulp adventure show. That would be fine. Yeah. It's not, but that's a good direction for it. Yeah. To make it different. Um, So my, my good thing is sort of the same thing. That dude, but specifically, and you mentioned this already, mm-hmm. he cuts off a guy's face. Yep. And wears it to, like, impress Klingon Balana to, to get her to want to fuck him, I guess. Yeah. No, he's and super He's super into Klingon Balana. And here, my thing, and I say this a lot, too, mm-hmm. my thing, the reason I dislike Braga and a lot of late next gen and a lot of Voyager-y stuff, and even some DS9, is it gets predictable. It hits the same beats, everything happens. You said your wife, who is a casual Star Trek watcher at best, I think yes. she's been watching a lot of Voyager with you, but typically she you know she's not familiar with all the patterns like we are no called all the beats of the previous episode like yep ahead of time like that's what i mean it's so predictable it's so by the numbers when they actually can shock me and say whoa i didn't see that coming no and that guy like i never expected him to cut off someone's face and wear it like i'm gonna say that i don't expect that from most things yeah but especially star trek star trek's always so safe yeah it doesn't do like that is a standard 90s serial killer waving a knife at you like, you know, move mm-hmm. like you could see in in one of those bad Silence of the Lambs ripoffs, but not in a Star Trek show. Yeah. Like I was like super like I was legitimately impressed because it actually shocked me. Yeah, no, I was watching the episode and it's suddenly it's just like, wait, what the fuck happened? Like how many times has the show tried to blow my mind? And this is the first time you actually succeed. Yeah. And it was legit like and the dude. The, the actor, a lot of credit to the actor, played it like, why don't you like this? Hey, look what I did for you. Well, and this really, this feeds into your quote. Uh-huh. Which is, uh, which is him trying to be sympathetic and saying this. No, I... <laughs> I do have feelings. There's this, there's this scene where Bellana pretty, uh, well, Belle, yeah. pretty, pretty quickly picks up on the fact that this dude's into her and starts trying to do the, hey, you know, if you loosen these chains, we could get to know each other better. Uh-huh. And he's like, ugh, listen, you can try this all you want. I appreciate the attempt, but I have a mirror. Yeah. My dick fell off three times last week. I I know how this works. Like, oh, but I, let let me change into something more comfortable. Yeah. This guy's face. 
Well, and there's also, like, adding to the legit creepiness of these villains, mm-hmm. there's this thing they do, and they do it more than once, but specifically to Durst. They tell him, um, yeah, we're going to let you call. You've been asking if you can call back to your captain. We're going to let you do that now. And the oh. next scene, his face is on this dude. He took his face off. <laughs> face slash off. Eyes, part of the title. nose, mouth. I want to take his face off. <laughs> I never saw that movie, but I bet it's terrible. It was fucking great. I, that's what I said. <laughs> um, but it, it's like they do this a few times. Yeah, it's one of like, the things I love about these guys. It's they're just they, they're just dicks, and it it's it's got historical precedent. Yep. It's got like Nazis in concentration camps would say, "Oh no, you're going to the shower." Like everyone knows that one. Yep. But there was a lot of that apparently from some survivors. Like they told us they were taking us to get a meal, and then I never saw my mother again. Yeah. And it's it's you know in real life, of course, it's horrifying. Mm-hmm. But you know, like <laughs> showing like sort of over the top cartoon villains doing it, it's kind of funny. That's just. They, they're they waving a gun in some dude's face and they drag him off and he's like, where are you taking me? And they go, for a meal and a hot shower. Never oh, see him goodness. again. Yeah. Oh, well, you see a bit of him again. <laughs> <laughs> oh, man. I want to see Janeway make that phone call when she gets home. Oh, God. At the so end she's of- got a whole list of people she's got to call because I'm sure more people die. Hello, Mrs. Durst. Ugh. Yeah, bad news about your son. Yeah, listen. Admiral Janeway here. Uh, (laughs) Were you able to recover his body? Well, some of it. (laughs) I might go. You you might want to go with a closed casket. Yeah. We killed the Vidian who was wearing him. Wait, no, we didn't. Wait, no, we forgot to do that. Yeah. Wait, so there's still some dude out there wearing my son's face? Yeah, he's really far away. You'll you'll never you'll never see him. He's like 80,000 light years away. Three days later. Hello? Mom, <laughs> have you seen Bellona Torres? <laughs> I was this close, man. Oh. Um. Okay. So I I think we've we've squeezed every bit of like because there was some likable stuff in mm-hmm. here, uh, but for the most part, let's get into the bad. Ah, uh-huh. you first. I have I have real problems with um sort of the the end for Bellona in this one because. They split her up into into her Klingon half and her human half, and they make a big deal about how the Klingon half has certain traits and the human half has certain. Well, yeah, the, the the gist of the reason he was doing this is we've like we've tried, and they said in their last appearance, we've tried uh, the organs from all these different species we've seen, and they haven't worked. Mm-hmm. A Klingon though yeah. would, and you're not pure Klingon, so we need to make you pure Klingon so we can synthesize whatever you have to 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 cure our phage. Yeah. And like that, that part actually tracks. There's some logic to that. Yeah, no, that, that that's fine, I guess. Yeah. Um, my point though is, um, the Klingon half of her gets killed. Yeah, like they can't run her through the transporter backwards to put her back to normal again. So the episode basically ends with, first of all, with the Balana that joined the ship not around anymore. It's sort of like when, um when Chief O'Brien died and was replaced by a different Chief O'Brien. Yeah. No, she's... her. That's my grave out in the back. Yeah. It's creepy. <laughs> it's a lot like that. But, um, yeah, so we have this... We're basically left with this new woman mm-hmm. with all the memories of what it was like to be this other woman who is human, who now has to have Klingon bits stapled onto her. 
I will say so they, that she doesn't die. They did a little like research there, or uh, they did they did a little like trying to backfill that to make sense. What the doctor said is your immune system has essential Klingon stuff that you've become used to in the mm-hmm. last thirty years or however old she is, and your body can't function without them now. Like you just you can't process proteins or something like something essential that your body has developed to do. It needs that Klingon part, and that actually meant like biologically it makes sense. Yeah, but it's like. Like, next week, she's going to show up and just be completely back to normal. And it's like, this is not the same person. I, well, really, this... let's, let's go into what they did. Yeah. Because, first of all, it's all nonsense anyway. But, what? like, how is she two people? I get, sur- or not surgically altering her, but even genetically altering her to make her more Klingon. But how does that make two people? I don't, un- yeah, I don't understand, like, how, like, if, 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 if Paris was, like, had like Scottish and Italian heritage. Could they just take him, just take him out of the room and come back in with a guy in a kilt and Super Mario? Like, what? <laughs> Probably. Is that how that works? Like, what the no, fuck is on. happening? He would, he would be Scotty and Diamato. <laughs> oh. Hey, my wife, right? Oh. Hanging her laundry up. Oh. Oh. But it's like, it, it just, like, I don't understand how there's enough material. Yeah. To make two people. That doesn't just, I, it doesn't make sense. And they both have the same memories, but they're do, that doesn't make any sense. This is like, it's insane. Yeah. And it's, you know, if they were embracing the insanity, like you said before, that would be okay. That would be fine, but they don't like. They want to live in this, in this perfect world where it all makes sense, but it's also kind of insane. And it's like, pick one. Yeah. And that's the preferably thing. Preferably pick the insane one. I, if Braga wanted a... to do, if Braga wanted to do his nutso ghost stories and just fuck it with the techno babble, mm-hmm. I might be okay with that. Yeah. It's just he always wants to make it make sense. Like, just forget it. Forget having it both ways. Just yeah. do stupid shit, and it might be fun. Like you, when you started the show, you wanted to do more action adventure. Fucking play this as like a big stupid fucking action movie. Yeah, and don't always explain it. Just ridiculous crap. Because nobody in the audience wants to hear your techno babble. I, no. I can say that with confidence. We don't want to hear it because we think it's boring. Science people don't want to hear it because it doesn't make sense to them. Yeah. Like, there and, are science nerds out there who would love to know why it makes sense, but the techno babble is just like, well, nope. That, nope. That's, that's crap. Yeah. <laughs> and the fucking actors hate saying it. Yeah. Nobody wants it. Mm-hmm. All it does is pat out a script. Oh, yeah. now I know who Ah. As a writer, I can appreciate shit. This is only thirty pages. Oh man! Well, they had, they had another. Uh, <laughs> there was another thing that helped with that. <laughs> the well, second half of my bad thing. Yeah. Okay. Uh, Blana's terrible Klingon voice. Oh boy. Which is her talking deeper and slower, like she's Swamp Thing. It it seems like she studied the Duras sisters. Mm-hmm. She feels like Lursa and Bator because they had this sort of thing. But then there were two of them, so they had to keep the pace going so they could have a little banter. Yeah. And if it's just her monologuing, it's slow and it never ends. No, it just goes on and on and on. Yeah. And there is more talking. Yeah. I will say, like that is that is terrible. That is mm-hmm. like truly not just not good, but actually terrible. Yep. But I will give her credit. There is probably an entire act, probably a good ten minutes, mm-hmm. where we're expected to believe that one actor is two people, and I buy it. Yeah. Like that's not an easy thing to do. I'll give her credit there, and yep. I actually like Meek Balana. Yeah. Like, she plays that very differently, but also recognizably, 
And to her credit, on top of all that, uh, uh, she said, you know, if they'd done this in like season five, I think I would have nailed it. But Mm. I didn't know who normal Bilana was and you wanted me to split her into two halves and I didn't even know what she was like whole yet. Yeah. It's too early. I don't know how to do this yet. It's the naked now all over again. It was too soon to do this episode. Yeah, you do that to explore what you know about a character. And if you know nothing, like this is the first Bolana centric episode. Mm -hmm. So we don't know anything yet. All we know is background stuff from other episodes. Give her some straight adventure first and then fuck her up. But no. No, they wanted to make her two people. Yeah. And and really, my bad thing overall is is back to what I was saying. This doesn't make any sense. Just how they did it. Like, how did they make two people? They cut her in half and then grew some new legs and the new top. Uh... Just like a worm. (laughs) Well, maybe that's how she'll cure the phage. Maybe Klingons have that. We don't know. No, 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 no. Because we saw a Klingon get his arm blasted off in in the undiscovered country and his arm did not grow back. No, it did not. He just looked down at his arm in horror like, fuck, my arm. Now I need a new arm. Yeah. But I shan't have one. No, see, I always imagined, this is going back a ways, and I don't know if we mentioned this, but I always imagined General Chang had that eye patch. I assume yep. that dude who had his arm blown off would get like a, you know, a hook arm or something. <laughs> An arm patch? <laughs> well, no, I'm going with the pirate thing. <laughs> just, a peg bol- arm. Just bolt a plate to the fucking stump. Yeah, that's fine. With screws? Yeah, just like his eye patch. Uh, no, I just assume they all do piratey stuff when they lose you know, various body parts. So, well, in that case, wouldn't it just be a giant hook sticking off the side yes. of him? No, he's, he's got no way to move it. It's sticking straight <laughs> out. It's either that or a peg arm, right? Yeah. Anyway. Peg uh, arm makes it really difficult to get through doors. <laughs> or a wood detector at the airport, <laughs> which they have in the future. Well, I mean, they'd have to because everything's made of metal. So if someone's bringing wood on a plane, you want to talk to them. Right, exactly. Um... I mean, somebody built a working spaceship out of wood, so obviously, you know, it's more versatile than you realize. Fucking wood detector. <laughs> um, I will so I say... my pocket full of termites, so I'm not worried. <laughs> well, that's what the that's what the marshal on the flight has to, to take him out. <laughs> so that's okay. I, I will say... Just throw pocket termites. While the... Uh, while splitting her in half and while, like, it was all very not subtle... Uh, I believe the word you're looking for is stupid. Uh, yeah, but just, yeah, okay, yeah. <laughs> I will say there's some bits about human Balana specifically Mm-mm. being ashamed of being Klingon, talking about her childhood where she tried to hide her forehead because yep. she didn't want anyone to know. Mm-hmm. And there's a real, like, there's an actual kernel of real experience there. Like, like you hear about multi-ethnic people trying to pass as one or the other. Yeah. Like, that kind of thing. Because they're ashamed of it. And that actually speaks to a real thing that happens to some people. Oh, yeah. And at the end, I do really like, like, as as stupid as it all is, I really like, she doesn't want to go back. No, I like that a whole lot. She's like, my whole life I've been I've been ashamed to be Klingon, and I'm still ashamed to be Klingon. I haven't learned a lesson yet because I'm still kind of an awful person. Mm-hmm. Like, I haven't learned to love myself and be perfect like the guys on Next Gen. I'm kind of fucked up. Yeah. And... I, no, this cured me. Good. Great. I don't want to go back. I mean, I, I got to learn to be a little more aggressive on my own, but I think I'll be all right. And the doctor's like, no, medically, you have to get back together. And she's like, oh. <laughs> Once again, I'd like to point out, though, um, if you can make uh, Chakotay into the shambling muck monster, <laughs> you can probably uh, sand down Bolana's forehead. I, no, she 
She doesn't like the aggressive tendencies. I don't think she cares about the forehead anymore. Nah. That was when she was a kid, but now mm. I think it's more she doesn't like that she can't control her anger and all that kind of stuff. Mm. So. Well, maybe she could be in therapy. Eh, I don't think there's a counselor. <laughs> just sitting in the or just sitting in the uh in sick bay with the doctor. All right, breathe in. Breathe out. Are you calm now? All right. How about breathe now? In, breathe out. Are you calm, Are you calm yet? now? Yeah. I don't know. Maybe this medicine wheel will help. <laughs> Who knows? All right. Uh, as I've mentioned before, we have a new live show coming up. First two episodes of season two, which are coming really soon. Yep. Uh, in two weeks from, from as I record this, actually, October 17th at the Pocket Theater in Seattle. Details are on our website. Yep. Uh, come check it out. We'd love to see you. Uh, as before, uh, no actual admittance charge. We'd like to like you to drop a buck or two to the venue. Yeah, for, there's for there's drinks there. and... Uh... Yeah, buy a beer. Spend yeah. I don't know what three, three, five bucks, whatever. Yeah, have a Can't beer. Be more They're pretty bucks. good. But what I'm saying is the the Pocket Theater is a great venue here that has done a lot of good stuff for local uh, comedy in Seattle. They are very graciously giving us the space at no cost. Yeah. Uh, but the the trade off for that is we would like our patrons to to you know pay them back for that. Mm. And just give, give them like I said, five bucks maybe. Yeah. Not a big deal. Um. And oh, and uh, because season one is almost over, supplemental time is coming. So if you have questions for us, please write to us, postatomicor at gmail. Yeah. And that's it for this week. Yeah. Uh, see you, folks. The Post Atomic Horror Podcast is a co production of Ron Algar Watt and Matt Robotham. Copyright 2015. Please don't sue us. We're just doing this. Thank you.